The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks for being with us here today on Radio Taiwan International for today's English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we will have Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow. Then Shirley Lin will be bringing us some popular music in Jukebox Republic. But we'll get the week underway with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Monday, December the 3rd, 2018. I'm Charlie Starr, sitting in the host chair today, joined in the studio by Paula Chow. Hello. Hi, Paula. And Jake Chen is here with us as well. Hi, Jake. Oh, hello, Charlie. Today, we're going to be talking about a little bit uh, going over the uh, results there of uh, last weekend's elections. Uh, Ker Wenjie was, uh, we've often talked about him as the gift that keeps on giving. Well, he got re-elected in Taipei and he has some <laughs> thoughts of his own on his victory. We'll be hearing about the Taiwanese Man Society, uh, which is being promoting gender equality. And over in China, a Guangzhou company has been fining its employees if they don't walk enough steps. These stories coming up. Let's start right here in Taipei uh, and with the uh, the results then of the uh, elections, the, the mayoral election. Uh, Taipei Mayor Ke Wenjie fought off uh, a big... Uh, he had a big challenge to get re-elected. It probably would have been very easy for him, but the DPP fielded a candidate against him as well as the uh, the KMT that uh, looked likely to sort of split his, his vote. But he did narrowly prevail over the uh, KMT uh, challenger, Ding Shou Zhong. So he's won re-election. And over the past four years, we've, he's uh, someone that we discuss often on this program, quite a, a colourful character, prone to gaffes. Also, a gaff is sometimes... Uh, Sometimes not even gaffes, are they? Sometimes I think he stands by it when, right, he, he actually... when he misspeaks. Uh, so he had some thoughts uh, on his uh, re-election. Uh, Jake, tell us what uh, you've got there. Right. Um, when you said that he uh, narrowly edges out his opponent, it really was very narrow. I think he uh, got merely 3,000-something votes over Ding. Well, it sounds like a lot, but it's actually 0.6% of a, of a very narrow margin. Um, and uh, looking back at his win, Ke uh, didn't seem to um, to to uh, be too fond of it. He said, uh, commenting on the Lancy election process, he said, uh, unless it's voting for a mayor, um, uh, I wouldn't even stand in line myself to vote. Seeing that line on a photo uh, uh, just you know makes me think of all the things that I could have done with that time. So, so yeah. in other words, the only reason why it would be worth putting yourself through that if is if you're voting for me. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who will be worth. I think he's one sentence away from actually saying that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, given his uh, particular disposition, I think that's exactly what he has in mind. 
uh, yeah, quite a quite a straightforward guy, and uh, we're glad to have him in office. In the he'll, comical uh, sense, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yes, whether you supported him or not, he'll at least give us more things to talk about. Right. I guess over the next four years. Now, Paula, you had uh, uh, a story there that was related also to Mayor Kerr as well, which made uh, not so happy news for one couple here in Taipei. Right. It's not happy at all. You know, in Taipei, there is a guy who is a uh, diehard um, supporter of Taipei mayor. Um, the day when the mayor got re-elected, um, this guy's girlfriend dumped him. Oh. Obviously, because they support um, they supported different uh, political candidates. Actually, before the election day, um, you know, this um, the woman sent a message to this guy, um, you know, telling him that I think we should split up. And then they, you know, they I had some fights. But anyway, on the election day, actually, um, a few hours after. Um, got elected. Um, this guy's, um, you know, um, the girlfriend sent a message to the guy. Said, "Well, you know, it's done. It's over." I was going to ask you whether they were going to split on that day anyway, or is Ke's victory the final nail in the? I'm sorry, it's not funny. The final nail in the coffin. Um, yeah, I mean, people are getting uh, really into this. I mean, not just in Taiwan, in the States, all over the world. I mean, people fight within families over, you know, supports over different candidates. Right, but this, yeah. this guy posted a message on Facebook. Um, he ha- he has a question. He said, um, are, is, is it true that other people like me because, you know, my girlfriend dumped me, simply dumped me, uh, dumped me because, simply because um, there are, you know, we have some political differences. We support different political candidates. We have different... Uh, political inclinations. Mm. Right. Well, I suppose it's on days like that that uh, these potential uh, incompatibilities, I guess, uh, definitely sort of appear larger than, uh, than they might at, oh, at, yes. at other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, election syndrome, as we've been talking about over the past weeks, definitely, definitely a thing. Now, uh, one mayor who lost out was the the former mayor of. Taijong, Lin Jialong, he lost out to the KMT candidate in his race for, for re-election. And now um, it's been suggested that possibly one of the reasons he may have lost might not just be dissatisfaction with the, the government, but bad feng shui. Right, that's according to two feng shui masters. They said um, before um, the election, uh, they knew. I, I think they are backseat drivers. Well, I don't know. <laughs> they they, they right, have to say that, don't right, they? They, they have said, to say, well, we they, knew this before. They we... knew that, you know, uh, Taichung mayor won't, um, you know, won't get reelected. That's because the location of um, his office in Taichung city government building is really bad. And actually, um, that um, that building, Taitung City Government Building, was built in 2010, and uh, at that time they um, it was designed by a Swiss team. However, mm. the two feng shui masters said the mayor's office in that building is located in a bad place. So no wonder the former mayor, uh, uh, Jason, Jason Hu, who also failed in, when uh, when he uh, sought his second term. So yes, yeah, now this, that's interesting you say that because I was going to raise the point like, well, if that's the case, then surely no mayor should ever serve more than one term in right. Taichung because you're going to lose uh, your first opportunity. But Jason Hu was uh, he was re-elected, re-elected at least twice, I think. Right, he was but, a very long-running mayor. But of since Taichung. the new, since he moved into the new office building, and then yes. he immediately he lost. Re-elected. He didn't right. get re-elected after that, and so. Now we've got Lin Jialong has only served one term as Taichung mayor. So, yes, that'll be something to watch out for. Yes. <laughs> now and also, that uh, Lin's replacement uh, moves into that same building. Right. And also the two feng shui masters said, and there's another um, reason, I mean, the, the, the camel that, you know, 
that broke the uh, the, um, the mayor is because Camelot brought the. The straw, 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 straw. Yeah, yeah, right. We know I'm what sorry. you're saying. Yeah. We know what the, you mean. The final straw. <laughs> okay, the final straw. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he said that they said that because um, Ling, um, the uh, the former mayor, he was born in the year of the dragon, and this year is the year of the dog. So, if those who were born in the year of the dragon this year, this is not. Um, this is not your year, and you will have bad luck in the oh, year of the, the dog. Mine so his name is, is Dragon, isn't it? Lin Jia Long. Long, Long yes. is Dragon. Is he right. excellent Dragon? The Jar, is it? Is it the yeah, Jar right. for excellent? He's, mm-hmm. he's Lin, the excellent Dragon. Right. But uh, not, not excellent enough uh, to win re-election. <laughs> Whether it was Feng Shui or not, we don't know. All right, let's uh, pop over the other side of the Taiwan Strait for this story. Um... Employees at an unnamed real estate firm in the city of Guangzhou have been fined uh, for uh, if they don't walk at least 180,000 steps a month. Do the quick math. That'll be 6,000 steps per day? Yes. Yes, that that follows, doesn't it? Uh, And the rate of the fine is 0.01 yuan. Okay, so or, one, one cent. Or about or, well, 0.1 cent US for every step that they fail to make. Okay. So you, if you fail to make up 10 steps, then, you, then uh, that's 10 cents. So yeah, yeah, a dollar for every, uh, you, one US one. dollar for every 100 steps that you are below your quota. Now, if you're working real estate, you, I mean, you're used to the, or, or selling anything, really, you, you're used to the idea of quotas, right. you know, and having to meet your, I mean, you've got enough to worry about trying to hit your sales quota every month without worrying, you know, if you've done enough walking. Um, so one employee, Little C, told the told Information Times that frequent overtime made it difficult for staff to walk at least 6,000 steps a day outside of work hours. Oh, it's not even when you're working. It's you've got to, you've got to do all this walking in your free time. So the, I mean, the idea is to try to keep the employees in shape? Because I thought it was within their work hours, so they have to work a lot. But this doesn't seem to be the, the goal. Well, um, regardless uh, whether it's 6,000 steps a day or 6,000 on your own time, uh, Little C said, I understand the company wants to encourage us to get more exercise, but I don't even have enough time to sleep because I need to take walks to meet the target. Uh, Liu Feng Mao, a representative from a local law firm, says the company has no legal grounds for tracking staff members' steps as a measure of performance. Mr. Liu says staff could potentially claim that walking outside of the office constitutes as overtime or that a walking injury was a workplace incident. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, that's a potential yeah, uh, hazard for there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this is not the first known case of a firm introducing a workplace walking rule. In January 2017, a technology firm in Chongqing was criticized for urging staff to walk 10,000 steps a day. Oh, goodness. And that was used as a criterion for assessing their performance. Um, so people talking about this on uh, Sina Weibo, China's equivalent of Twitter, that this company is just looking for a reason to deduct money. Uh, <laughs> but others argue that such a regulation comes with some benefit. The reward is that you're healthy, says mm. one user. Well, that's one way to look at it. Okay, back here in Taiwan now. And uh, Paula, tell us about uh, a new group that was established fairly recently called the Taiwanese Man Society. Man or Men Society? Oh, Man Society. Man Society. What's, right. What are they all about? Okay, uh, it was established in October and it was organized by a college professor at Shixing University. Um, uh, he teaches gender studies. Well, he said the reason why he wanted to establish the association is because um, 
he wants um, Taiwanese people to um, break the stereotypical image of man. He said that man can be um, tender, they can express their feelings, and they can express their um, emotions. He also said that um, he also said that um, actually nearly thirty percent of the victims of domestic violence are men, not women. However, because uh, men who are abused by their wife, either um, verbally or physically or mentally, they usually um, they don't they won't tell others just to save face. Mm. I guess it's not something that guys would do. And so he said that the reason why he you know he wants to establish society to promote gender equality and also to encourage more Taiwanese men to um, express their feelings and emotions to the public. To he said that it's because you know the um, the, the feminist movement has allowed. Uh, more and more women to speak for themselves. However, Taiwanese men don't necessarily have a chance to, you know, speak for their true emotions and feelings. And he hopes that the public can do that hmm. in the future. Yes, that's interesting. You do see that here, isn't it? It's quite men are not really encouraged to. I mean, as in in the West and in, in other places, but here there is an idea of masculinity that you have to sort of always have your emotions under control mm-hmm. and be reserved, yeah. Right. yeah, or not really, yeah, let it out, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm uh, in contact with a lot younger of a generation, but I didn't know that was such a huge uh, stereotype here. I certainly could be wrong. I guess I thought it was a mainly a Western thing to have men sort of bottling everything in, but uh, apparently here it's an issue too. Still, uh, but, I guess in Taiwan, the society still um, has a higher, you know, expectation of men. Yeah. Is it a, a generational thing as well? Do you think, Paulo? Like uh, the, the the men who are joining this group, would they possibly be be older men? Yeah, or, or um, men about I th- think say this guy he, he's in his thirties or early forties. I okay. think. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what sort of activities they do to um, encourage I, I don't men know, to, but actually, to be more um, in touch it's interesting. Dreams. This society was um, set up with assistance from a you know, women's group. Mm, they okay. actually support this. Um, the, the, I mean, support this professor to right. set up the the, um, the association. I'm glad the ladies are reaching out and helping. Hand. <laughs> Much needed. That's all we've got time for for today's Here in Taiwan. But don't go away. You'll be hearing Paula in just a moment on Chinese Culture 101. Then we'll have Shirley Lin. She'll be here to bring us a selection of popular music in Jukebox Republic. We'll then be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing. But until then, I'm Charlie Storer. I'm Paula Chow. And I'm Jake Chen. Stay tuned. Culture 101. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. The year of the dog is about to come to an end. The next Chinese zodiac sign is the pig. Of all 12 Chinese zodiac animals, pigs are probably least favorable. Dogs are man's best friend. Dragons have long enjoyed a special status. But pigs, well, you get the picture, even though it's my year. Today, let's find out what zodiac signs mean to two professionals. Um, I'm, I'm a dog, so this is actually my year. Um, 
It's kind of interesting. I uh, have a friend who's telling me that if, it, if it's my, if it's your year, the zodiac, you should wear a red bracelet um, to ward off, like uh, you know, bad luck. Because apparently, if if it's your year, it is a bad year for you. But I don't believe any of these things. I was like, oh, <laughs> so far it's been a really great year for me, and uh, I definitely don't want to, you know. I, I definitely don't believe in the bad omen, and I, I don't need to 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 wear the red bracelet. Yeah, I don't know much about you know like zodiac personality characteristics or anything like that or horoscopes. I don't believe any of it.、Um, But do you know all those twelve animals? Yes, that I do. For some reason, when I was a child, at one point we had to memorize it, and so I still know it by heart. And I can blurt it out very, very quickly. And it's kind of interesting. Like sometimes you do ask people like what your animal is, just to, you know, just to have like a fun conversation. And in doing so, you can also guess their age, which is kind of a funny thing. The the animals are in a certain order. And so since I know all the animals by heart and in the right order, if they tell me what their animal is, I could, you know, I can kind of tell. There's twelve animals, right? So. You know, it's it's you could pretty much guess which decade a person's in, and then if they tell you their animal, then you can easily know their exact age. As we mentioned earlier, the dragon, the mythical beast, is something really special. Yeah, I think for Chinese people, definitely. And then the year the dragon just passed not too long ago, like. Couple years ago, I think, and、uh, I actually had a lot of friends who were aiming to have a baby that year. <laughs> really? So they are quite、um, traditional. Yeah, it's you know not all of them were, but it's kind of like since they were at that age, I got married, and they were you know. You know, just around the age where they were planning to start a family. Like, even if they weren't like strong believers or very traditional, they're like, "Oh, it's cool to have a dragon baby." Another person that I talked to was born in the year of the ox. I asked him, "Does he know anything about personality attributes of his year?" I do not. I、uh, I never really paid too much attention to this kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, I guess it's、um, most people would say、um, hardworking, reliable, and. Practical. Do you think that's part of your personality traits? Uh, well, I would like to think so. Would try to be、uh, a reliable and a.、Uh, I think I'm generally a pretty practical person. So, I don't know how much how much faith I actually put in these because、uh, I think it's kind of like astrological signs or、uh, the horoscope. But I think it's I think it's good. I think. I think people like to、uh, take advantage of of、uh, these fun little things. I think it's kind of interesting, especially in Asia. A lot of times, when you go out with friends, they'll they'll ask you about your horoscope. And nowadays, I think it's mostly just the birth month. So they'll ask me about my my、uh, my birth month, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm a Leo," and they'll they'll derive your personality from there. But I think Chinese zodiac has a similar option or similar standing for the older generation. They they often use it for、uh, to base off your personality and attributes and other stuff like that. For example,、uh, I have an uncle. He'll tell me that you're born in the year of the ox, so you'll get along well with、uh, I think snakes and、uh, I think chickens. 
but you won't get along well with horses because there's a Chinese idiom that like ox and horses don't go together or something. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much take it with a grain of salt because I, I don't think you can just eliminate a whole, an entire year of people you can't uh, become friends or hang out with just based on the year they were born in. But again, who knows, right? This is why it's it's just for fun. Generally, if you look at the, you know, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you look at the, the Zodiac, often they have a placemat with the Zodiac with the 12 Chinese Zodiacs on it. And uh, it's just a fun little tidbits about what each Zodiac's personality or, or lucky numbers or something <laughs> might be. And so I think as long as you have fun with it, then, then it's okay. But uh, just try not to take it too seriously. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't think that, you know, no one ever says that, oh, because you're the mouse or whatever, you're, you're bad. <laughs> it's, it's all you always look on the positive side. That's all we have for today's Chinese Culture 101. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. Welcome to Jukebox Republic, I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm really honored today to have Yannick Bauman, a composer slash trumpet player from Switzerland, here with me in the studio. Well, let's welcome Yannick. Hi, Yannick. Hello. Hi. So anyway, um, Yannick comes to Taiwan very, very often, apparently, right? Yes. Yes. But before we talk about all that, um, this song, this music that we're listening to right now is called Toba, and it's um, uh, sort of like a place in Japan by the sea. So you wrote this music. Um, what's the whole storyline? Give a little brief background. So I had a commission from a music festival in Switzerland to play a show in a swimming pool. And I went to visit the place. And for me, it was obvious that the interest of the place was the water. Otherwise, it's just like a very bad concert hall. So I decided to, to use the water like the, the main material for the visual of the show. Okay. And I had two scuba divers uh, into the swimming pool with camera and one dancer. And I, I set out of the swimming pool playing the music and mixing the images I get from the two scuba divers. The whole show is inspired by, by Japanese uh, women, scuba divers, diving uh, without breathing apparatus. Oh, without breathing apparatus. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so this woman was dancing in the water yeah. without uh, a breathing apparatus. Yeah. And um, the image is going through your mind as you wrote this music. Yes. Okay, well, let's have a listen.
you're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and that was Toba. It's actually the name of a place in Japan by the sea. And I have Yannick Bauman with me in the studio. He's a composer and also a trumpet player from Switzerland, by the way. And、um, that was the music that he wrote for this stage play, was it? Did、yeah. you say? Yeah, it was actually a stage play. Okay. Very, very interesting. You actually traveled to Japan to. Not yet. Oh, you've never? No.、Uh, okay. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Music is international language, right?、Yeah. You don't have to travel to somewhere to make something. <laughs> Yannick, what's your background? I mean, you studied music in college and everything? I started music when I was four because everybody in my family is playing music. You learned how to sing at four or you were playing a、uh, musical instrument at four? I started with drums. Drums? And after that, I changed to the trumpet. Trumpet at what age? Maybe nine, ten. Why those two particular instruments out of all the instruments that you can learn in the world? Because in my area, we have a lot of marching band and band like that, and my father was conducting a marching band, so I started like that. Yeah, so you're saying that your family is all very musical.、Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two sisters. Okay, so the five of you can make a band, right? <laughs>、uh, we, we played a lot together. Not anymore, but we did it, yes. Yeah. And do you guys all sing too?、Uh, my sister sings. Your sister sings? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. What was your dream when you were younger playing the music? You just liked playing music and, and, and music itself. So then, when did you start thinking that I'm going to make this into a career? I stopped school as soon as it was possible because it was not something for me. And yeah, my only wish was to, to play and compose music. So I stopped school around 15. And after that, I only studied music at conservatory. Of course, composing music for stage plays and videos and movies and all that. Movies, maybe? Eventually. Yes, yes,、yeah. yes right? Okay, so. How did you know that this is what you really wanted to do? Yeah, my first wish was to be a trumpet player, so、uh, I worked for that. So you were part of a band? Yeah. Because when、yeah. you started, I wanted to be a trumpet yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. And I play a lot with symphony orchestra. I play a lot of classical music first. Yeah, that's classical music. Yeah. yeah. I studied classical music before going to jazz, and I play a lot of jazz too. And after that,、uh, I wanted to. Compose and play my own music. So you started as classical music and then you went on to jazz.、Mm-hmm. Did you go to school for jazz music too? No, you I know, don't. You study on your own? By myself, yes. That's not easy. Jazz is beautiful, but there's so much improvisation. You just compose something, right? There's no score because it's all in the thinking and you play and you improvise as you go along, right? Yeah. Right? Yes. What got you thinking that you want to try jazz? When we play in marching band or band like that, we play a lot of different k i n d of music. We play everything. So for me, it's absolutely normal to not play only classical music. So I always play a little bit of jazz, but after a while,、uh, I wanted to stop with classical and play more jazz. Just start to study more about harmony and this k i n d of stuff. By myself. Right, by yourself.、Yeah. That's, that's not easy. See, yeah, I think jazz is just somehow, in some ways, more challenging than play classical music.、Mm, no, it's, no, it's the same. It's yeah, just yeah. as challenging, but it's just different. It uses imagination. For classical music, too. Okay. <laughs> If you want to give your own interpretation of, of a score, you need to have a lot of imagination. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Well, why don't we listen to the next piece? 
which apparently is called carbon, like carbon dioxide, carbon. Okay, so what's carbon in this case? What's、uh, this music? It's more about the black color because I am fascinated by the black color. Yes, and Yannick right in front of me is wearing black and black leather jacket and everything. Okay.、Mm, yeah, I'm very fascinated by by black because yeah, it can be very black or it can reflect a lot of. Different stuff and be very bright and white.、Uh, I like, for example, the French painter Pierre Soulage. He's、uh, always painting only black. Yes, only black. Yeah,、oh, okay. and only with the reflection of the light on the on it. Okay, and it's very beautiful. And that's what I want to do with that song, Carbon, because when carbon is pure, it's diamond. When carbon is pure, it's diamond. Yeah. Wow, I don't know my science. Okay, well, what do you mean? To find the reflection and the brightness from the darkness of the black, so from the carbon to the diamond. So you are picturing these、um, art pieces from the artist you were just、Pierre、talking、Soulage. about while you writing this music.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's have a listen to carbon. Thank、you 
Yannick, um, so like I was saying in the beginning of the show, I said that you come to Taiwan very often. Why is that? Are there all different projects waiting for you? Yeah, this time I am. I will play five concerts in uh, Taiwan. Yeah, two solo concerts and three concerts with a piano player. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe what the concert's like with piano? You say. Yeah, with the piano player, it will be more jazz and improvisation. And so you are gonna be on the keyboard, or uh, the piano player will play the piano, and I will play the trumpet. Oh, you'll be on a yeah. trumpet. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it will be more jazz and improvised music. Oh, cool. Where? Where is this happening? Uh, which house? Okay, uh, so that's like a little live house, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. it's a live house, yeah. not a concert hall, yeah. right? And we play in two jazz clubs too. When you do these live jazz performances, you're always a trumpet player. Yes. Yeah. Oh. It will be a very acoustic jazz trumpet. Yeah. Okay. I wish I'd asked you to bring your t- trumpet in here and <laughs> blow your trumpet here, right here in the studio. Mm-hmm. How do you like Taiwan? I like it because yeah, it's very comfortable. But it's very different from Switzerland. Yes, it is. It is. It's very quiet, too. Quiet? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh Actually, it's a little bit like Switzerland. It's a little bit, really? That kind of of stuff, yes. Okay. Because you're you're from, like, this place south of Geneva, that is. Near Lausanne, yeah. Lausanne. Yes, I've been there, near Lausanne. So it's a French side of Switzerland, right? When was the first time you were here in Taiwan? The first time was 15 years ago. 15 yeah. years ago? A lot has changed. Yeah. So what were you doing here the 15 years ago? I played a concert with a Swiss band called Piano 7. It's a band with seven piano on stage. Yeah. And you were on the trumpet? Yeah. Oh, I wish I was there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, yes. I just kept some contact and uh, now I keep coming to play concert and have collaboration with artists here. So 15 years ago, those um, seven pianists, they're yeah. all Taiwanese pianists. Uh, Swiss pianists. Oh, Swiss yeah, pianists. Yeah, it's a band from Switzerland, yes. So it's this this whole band, including you, being invited to perform here in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. And it was at a concert hall then. It was an open air concert. Open air, yeah, yeah open, open air, air concert. concert uh, at uh, Chiang Kai-shek Center. And Chiang Kai-shek Memorial yeah. Hall. So ever since then, you've made a mark here in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So you've been invited back again and again for performance throughout these 15 years until uh, most recently you started composing scores for mm-hmm. like you know videos and yeah. you know, whatnot right and stage plays and all that what is it that you like about town do you like the food here yes of course yes what about the culture the scenic spots do you travel a lot when you come to Taiwan do you go sightseeing mm, not that not much yet, but I want not to yet. do that yes because I want to visit I want to know the nature you love nature yeah maybe someday you can write music about Taiwan okay I will well we have one more music and that is called Lonely Perfection what is that about? Because I'm traveling a lot and I spend a lot of my time just alone. Train station, airport, flight. So that's why. It sounds sad. <laughs> mm, it can be sometimes, but actually I like it. You, you prefer being by yourself more than with people? I don't know if I prefer, but I need a lot of time alone. You need I don't a lot know of time why, alone. But it's like that. Let's uh, enjoy lonely perfection. And try to imagine Yannick being by himself <laughs> in his own world, uh, making his own music. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and thank you so much, Yannick. Thank you. Yes, and let's enjoy Lonely Perfection.
Dinner is served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. here today on Radio Taiwan International. Well, I'm Charlie Sora. I'm back in the studio with Paula Chow and Jake Chen. We're going to leave you with one more thing before we sign off for the day. Uh, going across the other side of the Taiwan Strait. Now, we've often talked about uh, running in Taiwan and how uh, that's very, very popular these days. Lots of marathon events, half marathons and other running events. The same is also true over in mainland China. The Chinese Athletics Association said that in 2011, there were just 22 marathons, half marathons or other running events that took place in China. But that figure has skyrocketed to guess how many this year. So 22, seven years ago? In 2011, there were 22. How many events would you guess in China this year? 250? Keep going. Uh, 400, say. More. Well, 600? More. 1,000? More. 1,100. Uh, uh, major running events in, in China. So that shows you just how much this has taken off in oh. uh, a big length of time. Well done. Now, unfortunately, uh, organizers of the Shenzhen Half Marathon that took place last uh, uh, weekend, they've said that 258 participants were caught cheating and they will... Uh, this is from The Guardian says, will not be able to run away from punishment for their actions. Uh, as many as 18 runners were found to be wearing fake bibs and three were running on behalf of others. So it's on kind of behalf like, of others? Yeah, it's kind of like wow. that thing where you get someone else to take the exam, exam for, for you. you. <laughs> <laughs> right. so say, I, want, I want to be able to say that I've done the marathon and I'll just pay someone else to do it for me. They face lifetime bans from the event. That's according to the official Xinhua News Agency. Now, the 237 others, and we should have to say that, you know, 258 people who were caught, so we don't know how many people actually, uh, you know, cheated, but these were the ones who were caught, most of whom had taken shortcuts during the race, and they got caught out by traffic cameras and local photographers, and they could be banned for two years for that. In the most blatant case, and if you go to The Guardian's coverage of this, you can see uh, a YouTube video as well of, of the footage of this actually happening. A traffic camera caught runners turning round at least at one kilometre before they were supposed to make a U-turn, potentially shaving about 10% off the 21-kilometre race. Footage shows runners crossing through bushes and trees that separated two parts of the course. So they're running on a road that's separ separated by uh, like a, an embankment section there with trees. And so people are just like crossing over to the <laughs> other side and trail, back in the Trail running the to, other. The, to, to the run. Yes, yeah. well, what's the in incentive? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot at stake here I mean, to do all this uh, stuff. Is there like a prize at the end or like a big publication? Well, that's that's just it. I mean, you know, if you're, you know, if you're the kind of person who's going to cheat in, in the marathon, then you're probably not the person who's going to be up for winning winning some prize money right. probably have to pay to take part in the race so, so I'm confused like, so organisers themselves they said we regret these violations marathon running is not simply exercise it's a metaphor for life and every runner is responsible for him or herself 
so that bit uh, sounds a bit like the old headmaster there you know, you've let you've let the let school you, down you let, you, let, you, let, down. you let the marathon down but most of all you let yourself down and uh, news agent Xinhua said called it deeply shameful said no matter the participants or the organizers they should reflect what's the significance of participating in and holding marathons very true what's what's the point what's yeah. the point <laughs> what's the point don't run and forget why you run don't let the marathon turn sour so now interestingly is, is we noticed that the, these uh, cheetahs were caught because of surveillance cameras but competitors in other marathons are now kitted out with electronic chips that register runners progress as they pass over timing mats uh, installed around the course provides more accurate times but also gives organizers a wealth of data to examine for suspicious results so yes, may not so, be able to get away with it. So finally measures are taken. Yeah, I'm still stuck at a part where they don't, I mean, there's nothing to be won at the end anyway. So I'm, I'm still confused. Like We just want to get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> but know, why go? You want to get it over with, but you don't want the embarrassment of actually, you know, dropping out and spend the trouble, and try to spend the money and go through the trouble to show up in the first place. Well, that's all we've got time for for today's programs. Do join us again tomorrow where our programs will include Book of Odes, Status Update, and another edition of Here in Taiwan. But for Today, on behalf of all of us here at RTI, I'm Charlie Starris signing off for the day. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.